On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we have some mid-season awards. We are halfway through the NFL season, and so uh, we figured we'd get, uh, come up with some mid-season awards. I know the Patriots season hasn't gone quite the way we wanted it to go, uh, but anyways, we're gonna go. We're gonna go through it, and we will go not only Patriots mid-season awards, but also NFL mid-season awards. So it's gonna be a heck of a conversation. So buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has Pass. Wilson, quick throw. And it's Let's good. Go. Intercepted. We are back, and uh, the good news is we are coming off a win. Uh, the not-so-good news is that it took a last-second field goal against the Jets. Yeah, I, shoot, it's been, I mean, for as long as I've known you, obviously we did some shows in the past before the pulpit, and now we're running on, what, two and a half years here now. Um, not used to this, right? Not used to this type of year, This these type of episodes where we're just negative Nellies and uh, it's been a weird year for sure. But I mean, hey, a win's a win. Uh, I think it, it was weird because a lot of people, when they kind of saw the game transpiring, and I could unfortunately miss the first half, I, I had to coach. Um, I, you know, my, my Apple Watch was kind of blowing up. My buddy's like, I'm sick of this team. They were down like 20 to 10 at the time. I was screw it. You just freaking lose. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, like you get caught in between there. Yeah, it's funny. They lose that game. They have a, I believe they're in the top. They're definitely in the top seven. I think with like how they ruled out at the time they were top five. Now they're like the left, you know, 11th or 12th pick. So it was kind of weird to kind of emotions were flying. They were flying. I mean, obviously oh, yeah. you don't want them to lose. You want them to be competitive. You want them to build a, a winning culture. I view this year. I know Mike Reese wrote a piece last week as that year in 2000, which I'm actually just getting to the book, the part in the book of the dynasty by Jeff Benedict. Uh, where Belichick came in in 2000, he kind of knew they weren't going to be, you know, Super Bowl contenders. They'd fight for the division. They might squeak in, might, you know, didn't have a lot of expectations, but it was about building a winning culture here. Right. It's kind of the same. Obviously, ironically, it's 20 years later, two decades later. I think that's kind of the way we should view it. And I think how Belichick's viewing it like, hey, I don't have really any expectations for this team. They were tied up financially with the cap for a long time until the opt-outs came in. Um, didn't have a planet quarterback. Obviously, back then they had Bledsoe, but it was about the pieces around them. They were pretty young. I think this year's about that. Building a winning culture, show these young guys what it's like to play in the league, what it's like to win, uh, be a pro, you know, and whatever happens in between happens. You just you kind of roll with the punches, and I think that's kind of how this year's transpiring. Right. No, I agree 100%. And it's funny, I was on with uh, our, our buddy Wayne uh, Harvey up in Maine yep. on Monday, actually, before the game. And I was saying, you know, when you look at the rebuild process, what you want to look at is a team 
in the AFC East, the Miami Dolphins. And we're going to talk about them a little bit later on in the show, but like that's a team that, you know, started out 0-7 last year. And everyone said, oh, they're going to go 0-16. They're tanking. They're going to get the number one pick and and so on and so forth. (laughs) And and they ended up, yeah, and they ended up at number five, right? But yes, they ended up at five. But you got to remember, man, they won five games. They won their last two games, right? The the second to last one in overtime against Cincinnati, who ended up with the number one pick. So, you know, it's funny how if those two games had gone differently, they lose to Cincinnati, they lose to the Patriots they could have been drafting number one and had their pick at quarterback too. So it's it's interesting though, but for me it was Flo looked at it and said, you know what? As you said, and as Jeff wrote in his book, the culture is more important, right? We need to win. We don't want to tank, right? We need to play hard and win and instill that in our guys here. And then so next year when we come through, it's not, hey, we're getting rid of all of you and starting over. It's no, no, no. We're just adding some more pieces so that we can be more competitive than we have been right now because we believe that this core can succeed and can be good. And I think that that was a huge thing for them. Now, they're way ahead of schedule uh, as far as competing is concerned. But I think that that's a model that you look at and you and you say, you know what, that makes a lot of sense. And, of course, the Patriots did it in 2000, and the weird thing happened with Brady and everything else. And so Bledsoe goes out, Brady goes in. But they were way ahead of schedule as well. And so it's just interesting how, you know, competing instills that stuff in the locker room where it's like, yeah, no, we're not like, we're not just some shitty team that's going to turn around and get the number one pick and and he's going to be our savior. It's like, no, no, we're a good team. We're just going to get reinforcements here for the future, you know? Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I think that's the biggest thing for them. And I think the culture part, has already is already built here just because of yeah. the resume that they've had, right? It's obviously, but it's a good it's a good comparison with with Miami, right? There were a few players away, had to get younger at some certain spots. Obviously, the quarterback was a big position, a big uh, situation there, and I think it still is here. I think, yeah, Patriots don't have a plan for the uh, for the future at quarterback. I think it's kind of hey, we'll let this play out this year. We'll see how Cam does. Mm-hmm. We'll see. You know, is he more consistent the, the later half? We'll see what Jared Stinham, what they think of him, what kind of where they fall in the draft. So that's a little scary right. um, because they still don't know. But like I said, I think the culture is built here. It's more, okay, now I view the Patriots now. They'll be like the Cowboys for the, forever. Like Dallas is just, there's a culture there. It's because from the top to bottom, Jerry Jones, like when you go to Dallas, it's America's team. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that'll always see, that's be a- here. That works. It, I feel like that almost works against them down in Dallas, to be honest with you. And For I sure. think, you know, when you talk about the culture, you got to think about, right, obviously Belichick is so much of the culture, but like the culture that you've had in the past comes from your players and your veterans. Well, those guys are all getting old, right? The McCordys are getting old, Hightower, Chung, all those guys, those are your like stalwart veterans that are the leaders in the clubhouse. Those guys there's there's a legitimate case that you could make that both the McCordys, Hightower, Chung, uh, you know, Cannon, all those guys are gone next year, right? Not even here. So now you're looking for Gilmore, right? So now you're looking for leaders in the clubhouse. And it's like, if you have a bunch of young guys and we just tanked last year, you know, where's that culture coming from? So I think that that's something that's important. And I know Bill knows that. He's not tanking. He's not. He's not going to. Whether we want him to or not, 
he's not going to. Then they might suck and they might not win, right? So they might finish five and eleven. That's that's a possibility, but it's not going to be because they gave up because that's not going to happen here. And, and I think that that's a good thing, obviously. But you do kind of weigh that stuff, whether it's like, oh shoot, man, if we. I will say though, you know, it used to be you didn't make the playoffs, you get a top twenty pick. Now, there's two more teams in the in the in the uh, in the playoffs now, so you don't make the playoffs, you get a top eighteen pick guaranteed. So, you know, you're going to be drafting in the teens if you don't make the playoffs, guaranteed, if not higher than that. So, you know, you can still get a player there. We'll see what happens, but um, but my goodness, and just just one last thing about the Monday night game, it was twenty to ten at the half. Gets were killing them. I mean, just wiping the floor with the Patriots. It was it was embarrassing. And then the Jets ran 15 plays in the second half. One five, 15 plays in the entire second half. They ran four plays in the fourth quarter. One, two, three, four. Four plays in the fourth. I mean, I've never in my life seen anything like that before. You, I mean, it was it was mind blowing. I mean, you have you have a ten point lead in the fourth quarter, and you blow it because you just can't. You just can't. You're like, oh, no, I, I can't. I can't. I just can't do it. Like uh, they're just so incredibly bad, historically bad. And of course, then you know. And uh, listen, I'm happy the Patriots fought through and you know showed some fight and showed some resilience and stuff. But like that team was just historically bad, just so terribly coached. And, you know, and they still almost lost. So it's just so frustrating. That's the type of game, for even a Patriots perspective, it's like, did you really need to hit a 51-yarder to win that game? That's why it was frustrating. Like, why are you even in that that situation? Right. You know? Yeah, it just was aggravating. But let's get on to the the fun. I think it's been a while, so. Yeah, yeah. So let's do, so why don't we do, you want to do the league first, and then we'll go to Patriots? You want to do Patriots first, and then go to the league? Let's do let's do the Patriots first. All right, let's yeah. do it. So uh, first, first up is the MVP award, and uh, you know I, I'm not sure what your feelings are on this. I'm going. I'm I am not giving an MVP you're, award. You're, you're opting out of the seat. You're opting I'm out. opting. I'm opting out of this option. award. And here's the thing, right? You could make the case, right? If you give the MVP, it typically goes to the quarterback, right? Unless someone's played so far above and beyond. Maybe Stephon Gilmore would have gotten it last year for the Patriots. But, you know, regardless, here's the thing, okay? They're three and five. They're three and five. Now, I'm not saying that Cam Newton's not better than Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham. I'm not saying that. But I'm also not looking at the team saying, oh, my God, dude, without Cam Newton, I mean, they would never be three and five without Cam. Well, like, Okay, fine. Yeah, maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they'd be two and six instead of three and five. But like, they're three and five. They're in third place in the division by multiple games. Like, this isn't something to be celebrating. There is no MVP. No one's played above and beyond what we thought they were going to do. And so, for me personally, not giving it. No one deserves it. Not giving it. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, I wish I could. I could take that uh, as well. But for me. Um, I guess he could kind of fall. It's kind of crazy because it's a running back. I'm going to go with Damian Harris. Um, I, for me, they couldn't run the ball efficiently, right? Like, mm-hmm. Burkhead's great in spurts, and he's been unbelievable this year. You could even give it to him. I think he's won some games for them. Yeah. Vegas, he was unbelievable. Vegas. Kansas yeah, City, he was awesome. He was awesome Monday night. Just that Swiss Army knife. But they really couldn't run the ball efficiently because Sonny right. Michelle just – 
don't have it. I'm sorry. You just no. it, it's not there. And then obviously James White, your kind of your receiver back. They they miss that guy who can get to the second level, bounce off some guys, you know, truck over some guys, make some people miss. And I think you're seeing the past two weeks, um, and, and even the game uh, versus versus San Francisco. I thought he ran pretty hard. What he can do to that offense, and that's obviously not a good thing when your MVP of the year is is yeah. a is a running back. But for me, I and I look at it too. It's like there's been a lot of negatives this year, but the few positives, and I think the number one in there is you have a lead back for the future. You yep. have a guy that you can hand the ball off. He can play all three downs. And he's going to get you four to five yards to carry. I think that's super important to the way they want to play. They want to run their offense. It, it, it won't change. Yeah, I agree. I like it. I like it. You want to start? Why don't you start with the uh, with the offensive player of the year? Offensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean, for years it's Tom Brady, the quarterback, right? But for me, oh, yeah, this is hard. For me, it's Nick Folk. It's going to be Nick Folk. Oh yeah. The it kicker. Has Let's it go. has to be. Um, yeah, it's just you take a kicker in the fifth round and and you see those receivers that go after him. So I just want to stick the knife in and twist because you could have just had this guy anyways and just took a receiver in the fifth round. But anyways, yeah. um, you know, not even making a joke about this. Like he he's been awesome, he awesome this year. Yep. Um, I don't have his stats in front of me. I meant to pull him up, but I think he's eleven for twelve. Um, the only kick he's missed has been from 50 plus. I think he's missed one extra point. I think he's hit, uh, yeah, he missed one in this Seattle game. Yep. But other than that, you're right. He's been money. Yeah. I think, or sorry, maybe he's hit like 11 out of his last 12 and obviously hits the big hit kick. Um, you know, the other night, I think right. for him, it's, he's one of the only guys that's reliable and consistent. I think when he stepped up there, he's made some big kicks. He's kept them in some games. I mean, look at the Kansas city game. That game was tight. Uh, Denver hit some big kicks to kind of keep that close when they weren't, you know, moving the ball efficiently and scoring points in the end zone. Um, so yeah, for me, it's Nick Folk. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, Hey, listen, I mean, I think it's a, it's a solid comparison. He's uh 14 for 16, uh, so far this year. Long was 51. Um, I believe I want to say that week one, his, his kick was blocked week one. I want to say, I might be wrong about that, but I, I want to say that, uh, week one, his was. kick was blocked. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's his second miss, but 14 out of 16, I mean, that's, that's pretty damn good, you know? And he, that's a guy that, you know, you want, and he missed an extra point as well, but that's a guy that you want, you know, by the way, he has more, he's attempted more field goals than extra points. Not a, not a good thing. Not a good thing. Um, but you know, but he is, he, he's, I think that's a great, it's a great point. Like the majority of the points have come from field goals. So uh, anyway, so obviously not. I mean, it's clearly not. But I'm saying they've they have scored what one less field goal than they scored touchdowns. So it's not great. Not great. Anyways, uh, so uh, my offensive player of the year is going to be Joe Tooney. Uh, the reason why is because he's just he's just so important to what they do offensively. He is you know kind of that guy in the middle who they need. Of course, he was hurt for a game or two, and you saw you saw what happened when you take that guy out. And I think that, you know, and I've been saying it and people have been saying, Oh, maybe he'll get paid. Maybe he won't. To me, there's, there is a zero, there's zero reason for the Patriots to have franchised him. If they weren't going to extend him at the end of the year, it just doesn't make any sense. Cause why would you franchise him in the first place? It's stupid. Um, so maybe they do, maybe they don't, I don't know, but it just seems to me like why 
like why would you franchise him if you can let him walk in free agency and you know get a get a draft pick for him you know compensation pick for him because they didn't sign anyone this year and they and they couldn't sign anyone this year because they didn't have any money so i didn't get that you know i i assume they're going to sign him but he is you know vitally important in everything that they do offensively and so you know one of the best guards in the game still has been playing like that this year uh like i said when he was out they missed him a ton so I think uh, Joe Tooney, Offensive Player of the Year there for me. So, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, I'm going to go – I might be stealing your guy here, but that's okay. I'm going to go J.C. Jackson. Had a rough, rough first half on Monday. Yeah. Uh, but he has been their most consistent uh, corner. He picked off Flacco at the end of the game. Um, and he's just a guy that, you know, looks, Stephon Gilmore's not going to be here long-term. It's not going to happen. He's not going to be here long-term. So – Moving forward, J.C. Jackson is going to be your number one corner. And now whether he can be that or not, I mean, that's up for debate, right? He's played pretty damn well. So, like, you know, I don't know. I mean, he's not as good as Stephon Gilmore, obviously, because he's Stephon Gilmore, right? But I think he's a pretty good player, okay? And so I think this year, especially with Gilmore being hurt for a few games, Jackson's been putting up great numbers. He's looked really good Monday night notwithstanding. I think he's the defensive player of the year. Yeah, for sure. You can't go wrong there. And that obviously is number one. Uh, but I think f- for me, um, I- I'd love to go like a guy like Lawrence Guy. I think a lot of what he does doesn't show up on the stat sheet. Uh, but he they just that front seven's been so tough. I'm actually going to go another cornerback. Um, I think he's a 1A, 1B with with Jackson. John Jones, I, he's my guy. You guys who, who listen here mm-hmm. know I-, I love me some John Jones. But I think what he's asked to do every week is, is so difficult. You know, play in the slot, play physical, run guys down, face the the other teams, arguably their best weapon, right? Like you see Debo Samuel and, and Tyreek Hill and guys like that that he just has to line up across. Uh, 4-3 guy, can run with really anybody. He's physical. Uh, I think what he does on a week-to-week basis is is as hard as anybody's job in the National Football League. And I think he goes unnoticed sometimes just because he's Absolutely. so he's so good yep i agree i agree so for uh what's up next are we gonna do biggest Offensive. surprise let's do let's do we'll do the rookies and then we'll go surprise and disappointment okay yeah so offensive rookie of the year i'm definitely stealing your guy <sighs> here i mean big mike big mike michael on menu something about those for uh six round picks from michigan I mean, uh, yep. dude, he's he's on pace to be an all pro. I don't know if there's ever been an all pro rookie as a sixth round pick like that. He's, he's breaking a lot pick. of history. Yeah. Um, I mean, too, he's been he's been awesome. Stepped in. I mean, in, that line has had some some injuries. They've been banged up. I think he swung. He's played a little tackle, right tackle. He's played a little guard. Stepped in for Tooney when he missed. Um, and obviously. With Cannon opting out, there was kind of a big hole there. Uh, what what Onwenu's done this year has been flawless. I mean, just a clean sheet each week on PFF. Unbelievable. I mean, the fact that he just keeps not giving up sacks—it's it's ridiculous. And not even not sacks. Not even not oh, even. He's releasing pressure. and just barreling Ooh. dudes over too, right? Oh, my like he, Lord, he chips man. in on the run game. He's awesome. He's so good. He's so good. It's ridiculous. And he, yeah, he's played left guard. He's played right guard. He's played right tackle. He hasn't played left tackle yet. He hasn't played center. But you know, a lot of people are saying. Tooney could be gone and Unwainu takes his spot. To me, he's the right tackle of the future for me. I mean, like, why move him? Especially he's been so good there. What you you don't know. We thought Kajust was gonna be it. Nope, yep, he ain't nope. it. 
Froholt right. was kind of a swing guy. Eh, eh, he ain't on the field, right. so don't mess. Yeah. I mean, you, you you bring back Tooney and you get on when you on a rookie deal, you, and you still have Andrews and Wynn and and Mason. That's that's a that's probably the best unit in the league when healthy. I think so. I mean, when healthy, that's it's a great unit. So I mean, listen, I don't know if I have anyone else to take. I mean, could I take like Isaiah Zuber? I mean, Dalton Keene has a catch. Like, you know, I mean, I think he's the only it's one so offensively. I mean, they don't, they didn't, they didn't have anyone else. Um, and so, you know, Justin Herron's played well, uh, you know, in spot duty, of course, but I'm waiting for the line. I mean, you can't pick on the line. But I mean, that's it. I mean, like my offensive <laughs> player of the year. But listen, the offensive player of the year and the offensive rookie of the year are both linemen. Not a good thing, but that's the way, and a kicker. So that's what we got. That's what we got. That's what we feel so far. Uh, anyways, let's go to defensive rookie of the year. Defense rookie of the year, to me, there's a few guys you could kind of choose. Um, you know, to me, I'm going Kyle Duggar. I know Duggar hasn't played a ton. Um, his his snaps have gone in and out, but I think when he's been on the field, he's had some promise. He's had some promise, and you saw some of what Belichick went after and what Belichick liked about him. Um, you know, I think the game is changing. The game is changing, man, to a speed game. And that's something where you know, they, I think that they've struggled without some speed uh, and, and that's, that's hurt them. And I think having him is a big thing. And I would think, I know Adrian Phillips this week, um, you know, Adrian Phillips last year against, against Lamar was fantastic. Uh, and um, who the heck was it? Uh, Lazar had a really good thread about, about him last year against, against uh, Lamar. But I think this, this is a week that you see Duggar a lot too, because you need that speed on the edge to stop that run. You know what they're going to do. You know that you need to stop Lamar. So to me, I think Duggar gets some more playing time this week. And I liked what I've seen from him so far. So that's my defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. I, I have to go him as well, just because right. The first three picks of the draft were Duggar, Uche and Jennings. I know Jennings has been in and out, you know, has made yeah. some mistakes. Uche just coming back. He kind of was a third down specialist the other night had a big play, but just not enough from those two. Um, Duggar's interesting. I thought he was great versus Seattle. He was blitzing, was coming downhill, being mm -hmm. physical. Uh, that's a guy that I think in two or three years from now, we'll look at that pick and go, wow, that was a slam dunk because I think he's going to be able to do a lot for that defense yep. and play him, like you said, linebacker, you know, kind of that dime back, extra back on the field, come, come down, hit. Blitz, um, I think he's kind of a do-it-all guy. And, I, I, you know, obviously it hasn't been a big year for rookies on that side of the ball, uh, but definitely promising from him. Yep, love it. All right, let's do a uh, surprise. Will you start us off, man? Biggest surprise for me, I, it, I think it's, and I don't want to take, you know, <laughs> the guy I already took, but I think for me it's Jacoby Myers. Um, it. And I, obviously he's had a big three weeks. And the reason it's a big surprise is because he was hurt all camp. When he was active, he was wearing a red non-contact jersey. Uh, Gunner emerged. He was fantastic in camp. And then, obviously, he had Nikhil Harry and Edelman and Demir Bird. He was kind of looking up at the depth chart. I think that injury kind of lingered into the start of the season and kind of, like I said, didn't get the reps he needed to to really, you know, get a, get a look. But, I mean, he's playing in the slot. He's playing outside. He something about those former quarterbacks, man. Like they, they just have such a good feel for inside leverage, outside leverage. You know, zone how to beat man. Just get into soft spots of the defense and and know what to do to, for a quarterback to look their way. Yeah. Um, what he did Monday night was special. I know it's the Jets, 
Uh, but great matter. story for him. Yeah. Uh, I wrote one last year. I, I tweeted it out. Your two-star quarterback um, going to NC, NC State was a four-stringer, redshirt his freshman year. You know, Jacoby Brissett was the star there, transferred over to receiver, ended up breaking Torrey Holt's uh, record there for most catches in a year. Um, so he deserves it all. I think that's a kid who worked extremely hard. And I think they found that Edelman guy who can play in the slot, kind of get to those soft areas and the chain mover, kind of their next possession guy. What what we're seeing from Jacoby is really promising. I know they missed on Harry in the first round, it looks right. like, but a good complimentary pick there or you know, signing there, I guess. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing about, about him, right? On paper, it doesn't make any sense, right? He's slow. He's not super quick. He's just, he, you're like, you look at him play and you're like, that guy can't play wide receiver in the NFL. He just can't. But every time he's on the field, he's making plays. That's all he's doing every single time he's on the field. And I know he struggled last year. And again, we've talked about how, you know, Brady's on a different page and everything else, but like, what he's shown is the ability, and like you said, man, to to understand leverage, to understand how to get open. And that's something that is very hard to teach in the NFL. And so for a guy to be able to figure that out, I think that that's huge for him. Um, And, and look, I mean, realistically moving forward, he's, he's your number one target, right? And I mean, if Marlon Humphrey is covering him this week, I, 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 don't, I would expect him not to have 170 yards receiving again. But like, you know, it's, but at the same time, if Marlon Humphrey is covering Jacoby Myers, well, then maybe Isaiah Ford can get open and maybe Nikhil Harry can get open. And so now it's like, you have to, if you have to shut down Jacoby Myers and he, he's going to put pressure on the defense to like really look at him and try to slow him down, it's going to open up things for other guys. And I think that that's a key. And like you said, he's been all over the field. It's not, he's not just in the slot. He's not just outside. He's been playing everywhere. So Myers has been has been a revelation and I'm happy because I really thought he was on the chopping block. I thought at, at, at camp and we loved him last year and he was a guy that you, you just root for him. Like you, like you said, me just like the guys worked his balls off to get here. And it's like, you just root for a guy like that. And and I'm happy to see, to see things work out. Um, so my surprise is, is, is on Wayne I mean, the guy, I mean, six round, like he looks like the best offensive lineman in the draft. The kid's just a friggin' monster. And, and I'll tell you, like, you know, all the scouting report, all the film on him from Michigan looked like a slow guy that was just like, if he gets into you, you're done, right? But I've seen, and what we've all seen is like a guy that's quick, that can pull, that, and, and I mean, the same is true. He's still strong as hell and just bowling people over, but like he, he can move. And I think that that's been the biggest surprise for me is the fact that he was able to transition so quickly. And not only that, but Here's a guy who never played tackle in his life before and now is playing tackle in the NFL and doing unbelievable. So it's just, it, that's a wild story. So, uh, you know, great, great pick by Bill Belichick there. And that, that's a good segue because my disappointment this year is Bill Belichick. Um, I think I'm, I've been disappointed with some of the game plans. I think that some of the coaching decisions that he's made have been questionable. Um, you can even go back to last year with the Miami game when, you know, they didn't go for it at the end of the half. There were, there were so many different things like that. And, he, and that stuff has kind of continued into this year too. And I just feel like there were times when, you know, I know, I know the play calling isn't up to him. I get that. But like they run more than anyone else on first down. It's like they come out and you know they're running on first down. And they just do it every time. And it's just like, what the hell are we doing? And the Gunner stuff, listen, love Gunner Ozuski. Love him. 
Bill Belichick keeps letting him take the freaking ball out of the end zone. Take a freaking knee. What are we doing? You have a guaranteed ball at the 25-yard line. You shouldn't take it out. You shouldn't. You should just that's take just him. Though. He'd, he'd run through a brick wall for you, you know? No, he would. But yeah. but to me, that that's not on Gunner, though, because if Belichick didn't want him doing that, he'd pull him off the damn field. You know, he, Belichick's telling him, hey, take it out. Like, no, if I'm Belichick, I'm sitting through sit your ass down in the freaking end zone, okay? Just don't take it out, you know? But outside the end zone, fine. But if you're in the end zone, just take an E and be done with it, you know? And so some of his coaching decisions, I think overall, I, I expected more from this team. Certainly defensively, I expected more from this team. We haven't gotten it, and I'm not really sure why. I know the talent maybe isn't there, but I expected the coaching to be a little bit better, and I feel like that's been lacking. And so my biggest disappointment is Bill Belichick. That's a good one. For me, it's easy. It's Nikhil Harry. And yeah. it pains me because I, I, man, like I was so excited for them to take a receiver that high. You know, you, you look at him, he's so physically gifted. What's he, 6'3, 235? Um, you kind of a size of a Metcalf type guy. Right. And, and I was, me and you were last year, it was a pass. Missed the first nine games, had to come in. Mm-hmm. They didn't have any production at that position, so he was deemed as that savior, as that first-round pick, right? Um, and we figured this year with Cam coming in and and kind of every, a lot of moving pieces and him getting his real first action, his first training camp, being healthy, he would really take that next step, and I think they needed him to. And I think, not to put it all on his shoulders, there's been a lot um, a lot of things haven't gone their way this year, but they really needed, with Edelman's age and you see the decline there. They really needed a guy at that position to step up, make some big plays, make some big catches. I do think they haven't used him to the best of his skill set yet. I think they're trying to make him an X and an outside guy and, right. you know, win, win one-on-ones at the line of scrimmage. He's just not fast enough. His releases aren't that good. He's the type of guy to get the ball in space and let him do things with his legs because I think he's super athletic. But now he can't stay on the field again. Obviously, the concussion. Uh, which I guess isn't necessarily his fault, but um, yeah, he's he's been. Is you look at his NFL career, a lot of people like to get on Jarrett Stidham for some reason. I keep, I can't can't go a podcast without bringing him up for being a fourth round pick, but no one will say anything about Nikhil Harry being a first round pick. And Jacoby Myers had like seven less catches the other night than Nikhil Harry has in his career. Yeah. So for me, Nikhil Harry just simply because that wide receiver group wasn't upgraded because of your guy, Belichick. Yep. I think they viewed him as that kind of that guy that could take that next step and really, you know, make that group a lot better than what, what it is now. Right. And he hasn't, and, and you're totally right. And I tweeted this out the other day, but you know, um, Belichick has not only missed on wide receiver, but he's missed bad on wide receiver when he's, when he's went after it early, really bad. You know, I mean, you look at Oh six and you go all the way back to Oh six when they drafted Chad Jackson. They traded up to get Chad Jackson with the Green Bay Packers. With the pick that they traded to the Packers, the Packers took Greg Jennings. Whoops. In 2013, they took Aaron Dobson in the second round, and they passed on a little guy named Keenan Allen, who's still dominating out, out in L.A. And he's a guy that, you know, whatever. It doesn't, the, reason, the reasoning doesn't matter, but, like, my goodness. I mean, that was a huge miss. And then, of course, you have Nikhil last year, and you got DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, who are already first of all, we're teammates in college, but are already, I would say, top ten receivers in the NFL. Hundred like, percent. You know, I mean, so that's 
what what an absolute well, miss. You, and I know they weren't the next guys or other guys taken and you know, Jay Jaw was taken in there and, and whatever, right? But like also, uh, how about the fact that the Patriots had the pick? They had the pick that the freaking Seahawks drafted DK Metcalf at and they traded out and the Seahawks drafted DK Metcalf. Yeah, like, and, and the other just thing what a kick in the nuts, you know. What I said too is of the since 2000, of the Patriots receivers drafted by the team, originally drafted or signed as an undrafted free agent. I don't know if you saw this. Edelman was one, with yeah. 620 catches. Deion Branch, David Givens, Aaron Dobson, Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers is already fifth in the last 20 years of any receiver drafted or originally signed as a UDFA. He's fifth Crazy. with 49 catches. Yeah, that's that's bad, man. It's real well, bad. That's- that's some of the stuff that you look at and you just say like, you know, Brady's had a Brady had for years, a revolving door. I mean, you look at like, you look at the numbers. I mean, forever, forever. Gronk was obviously number one in touchdowns, but Randy Moss was number two until like a few years ago when Edelman finally passed him. And it's like Moss was here for a year and a half now with Brady. Of course, I understand Moss caught 22 touchdown passes his first year, but it doesn't matter. Like he was here for a year and a half with Brady. So it's like, it was just a revolving door of guys in and out, and they won anyways, right? So it was like, okay, you won six Super Bowls anyways. But the problem is, you don't have Brady anymore, right? What happened? Just, just think for a second. Um, just imagine for a second if last year, instead of trading back with with Seattle, and by the way, the trade back with Seattle ended up working out okay. They got some good players there, but regardless, instead of trading back with Seattle, what if they had kept that pick and they had drafted DK and you had drafted Nikhil and DK? And then you bring them both in. Now Brady, you shut Brady up with all his whining because you know he's got two, he's got two stud receivers or whatever. And then, you know, and then what well, is what it is. I mean, like who knows? But you know, it, that's it's some of those things where it's like, man, it's, it's so frustrating. But anyways, uh, all right, let's go to uh, oh, uh, so I guess we're going to the league now, right? So you want to start off with MVP? Let's do it. Yeah, I think for MVP. Um... I guess you can give your your guy, but I I like the top oh, three. Do it, do it, man. Um, do your thing. Yeah. So for me, it's Russell Wilson. Uh, yeah. When you look at that defense and how bad that is, mm-hmm. um, the fact that they have a winning record and are you know in striking distance in that tough division is just insane. I mean, he's I don't even know what are his numbers like 20, 24, 24 touchdowns to three picks. Uh, I know he uh, tied yeah, I Brady. For the fastest to uh, twenty plus touchdowns through a season when Brady broke the record in 07. and obviously Mahomes is up there too. Yeah. But I think some guys in there that deserve some credibility and and definitely deserve some votes. Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's been unbelievable this year. That cast around him. I know he's got Tay Adams, who's fant- my my opinion the best receiver in football. What he's doing there is 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 real special. And Kyler Murray. Uh, he's been my guy since college. What if, I mean, dude, he that that kid's so unique. I think oh, he's yeah. a better Lamar Jackson because he's a better thrower, can stand in there. He's accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can beat you in a lot of ways. Tough to bring down. Uh, he's going to be a special player in this league for a long time. Yeah, yeah he's a great player. Uh, just to so you were talking about the Russell Wilson stats: seventy-one percent completion percentage, twenty-five hundred forty-one yards, twenty-eight touchdowns, eight interceptions. He's having one hell of a year now. The argument is for Mahomes, of course. Now Mahomes has got kind of like the guy every year, right? Yeah, yeah. Mahomes, Mahomes now has a has a lesser completion percentage, only sixty six point nine, twenty six hundred pa- passing yards, twenty five touchdowns, one interception. 
that should be, but I view Mahomes and the and like obviously he's in there and he probably will win it. Right. For me, I view the MVP now because Mahomes is so good as like LeBron James MVP in basketball. Yep. Who's That's playing it. better than LeBron? And then right. for coach of the year for Belichick, it's like, yeah, he could literally get it every year. Who's a better right. coach? Like, right. that's how I view the MVP now from home. I agree. Like, Sorry, it, dude. You're it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of what you have to do, right? And and like you said, the LeBron comparison is perfect because it's like LeBron could win MVP every year, but like he doesn't because other guys play great. And you're like, look at this guy. He's playing just as good as LeBron, if not a little bit better. And so he gets it instead. You and know the I mean? fact it's, Russell's never even got a vote. Like that's I mean, disgusting. that's which is which is absolutely disgusting. I mean, the numbers he's put up in the past, but I think I like the MVP of of Wilson, like you said, simply because he has nothing else. Like that that defense is atrocious. And so for him, you know, for them to still be winning is impressive. And of course they've lost two in a row. But like, but even still, I just think he's been great. Another guy you could throw on the list there um is Josh Allen. And actually we'll we'll shift over to offensive player of the year because that's my offensive player of the year so far is Josh Allen. Allen has been has been a revelation. Uh I know he hasn't played as well in the last uh in the last few games as he had at the beginning. This first four games, he was out of control his first four games. So I get it, right? He's not he hasn't been quite as good. But even still, right? I mean, you look at the numbers, almost 70% completion percentage, 19 TDs, five interceptions. But also, it's not just what he does with the passing. It's also the rushing as well. And, of course, you know, you look at guys like Wilson and Mahomes are doing the same thing. But 240 yards rushing, five more rushing TDs. And so, you know, here's a guy who has really and, – and I thought the Bills – I liked the Bills going into this year, and my biggest concern was Josh Allen, you know. Can Josh Allen do it, right? And the question I thought was answered, like, no, he can't. And then this year he came out, you know, flying those first four games and is and hasn't played as well since, but they're still winning. They're still, and he's still playing very well and, and getting them to that point. So uh, offensive player of the year, you could go with other guys. I went with Josh Allen. For me, it's Kyler. He's my guy. Um, 12th, I mean, look at his stats. He's got... 2,130 passing yards, 16 passing touchdowns, 24 total, seven picks. Uh, he's 12th in the league in passing yards. Uh, he's top 12 in passing touchdowns. He's top, he's eighth in rushing in the league and is Insane. second, third in the league tied with Cam for rushing touchdowns. I mean, this, like, can you ask for anything more? Yeah. I, I think he's done a fantastic job. Second year in the league for a little guy like that with a lot of, you know, doubt around him because of his size and all that. I think what he's done, he's transforming that offense. He makes Cliff Kingsbury's job super easy out there. Sure does. Uh, he, he, he deserves it. I think he's going to get some MVP votes, and you could make an argument for him to win the MVP as well, depending how, how Arizona shapes out. Yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Oh, right, you want to start off defensive player of the year? Yeah, I mean, it's Aaron Donald every year. Um, I'd love to pick a cornerback, but it never happens. Was Gilmore the first to do it since Woodson in like 03 or something like that yeah. last year? Um, Simply because he, he's nine sacks, leads the league. You take Aaron Donald off that defense, the Rams probably two, three wins. I mean, right. just a dominant force for so long. Uh consistently double double team <laughs> beats it every time just an absolute force it's Aaron Donald yeah no I mean I, 
I can't even come up with anyone else. I mean, it's just you don't even have to pencil him in. You can you can sharpie him in. I mean, he just does it every damn year. And like, and I think the biggest thing, like you said, without him, that defense stinks. And so, you know, that's that's a thing for me where it's like you look at it and just say, like, come on, like, what are we doing here? You know. So Donald to me is 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 the easy defensive player of the year so far. But again, leads the league in sacks. I mean, like, come on, you know. So um Offensive Rookie of the Year. This is an interesting one because a lot of guys have come out, have shown out, really played well. Quarterback, wide receiver, no real running backs that are rookies at least. Uh, I went with Justin Herbert. To me, what he's done, of course, you know, gets gets, gets a chance to play because of a friggin' idiot doctor out in L.A. You know, but uh, of course, uh, hits you know hits Tyrod Taylor's lung instead of instead of his back. Um, but Herbert's played great. He's played fantastic, I think. And and the Chargers are a team that, look, they're the Chargers. So they just seem to blow games at the end of the game because they're the Chargers and, the, and that's what they do. But he has given them a chance to win pretty much every game that he's played, starting with the first one against the Chiefs. I've been extremely impressed with the way he's played. And I think you can go a few different ways, but I'm going Justin Herbert. Yeah, for me, I'd love to pick him. Uh, Joe Barrow for me. Um the fact, just another great story. Three straight years, we've had a number one pick just kind of come out of nowhere with yep. Baker, then Kyler, then Burrow. Uh, so, so fundamentally sound. Dual threat guy, big, tough, hangs in there. Bengals are no, I mean, oh, their record doesn't show for it, but they're competitive. You know, beat Tennessee. Uh, what he's doing with that offensive line, too, he'd be lucky to get to his third year. So I'm sure they'll strengthen that no this kidding. year, but. Um, he's been unbelievable. Joe Barrows, and I've loved him since LSU. He's great leader, steps in, he controls the room. I think that's a special, special talent and a special kid there. And Cincinnati certainly got a good one. Yeah, they sure did. You know, and, and here's the thing. He is on pace this year. Now, whether that's going to continue. In the league in passing yards, dude. Yeah. He's on pace this year to attempt he was 660 week. passes. 660 passes. Now, just just so we're aware here, just so you know how ridiculous that is, Tom Brady's career high in passing attempts was in 2012 when he attempted 637 passes. So you're talking about Joe Burrow is on pace to have more passing attempts this season than Tom Brady has ever had in his career. Now, Brady's passing attempts are a little bit higher now too, but although he's played nine games. So he's he's actually attempted 15 more passes than Burrow, but he's also played an, an extra game. So... um you know, and I think that's obviously that's a little bit of, of the of the league, you know, whatever. But regardless, I mean, the entire team is him. He is the whole team, and he's he's showed out, man. And so I think Burrow is a great pick there. So, um, are right, you want to go defensive rookie? Yeah, I, and it's hard. It's been a tough year for rookies, right? Um, with COVID and not having that that normal draft process and and off season. Uh, for me, it's got to be Chase Young. Um, four and a half sacks. You know, he's got five or six tackle for losses. That That's an edge edge rusher that came from Ohio State. You know their history there. Um, obviously, I think in normal years, he's the number one pick. I think the, the first two picks were slam dunk. You really couldn't get those two wrong with Barrow or Young. Uh, yeah. But for me, like I said, it's Chase Young. That's he missed pick. one game. Great pick. I like it a lot. I, I'm actually going down to Tampa Bay, and I'm going to go with Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, yeah, very guy good. That, yeah, a guy that we loved. We wanted here. 
course that didn't happen. Um, but he's played, he's played great and his stats maybe don't show it quite as much, but he's been all over the field for them. Um, and really been, you know, his speed has changed what they can do down there defensively. And so I think Winfield is a guy that I've been extremely impressed about this year. Um, and so he, he gets my defensive rookie of the year at the halfway point, of course. Uh, and, and as far as for the surprise for me, and, you know, we could talk about different teams and stuff, but to me, it's, it's the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. You know, I thought the Bills were primed to make a run, provided Josh Allen could take a few steps. And he has. And, and I wasn't confident that he, that he could. And this is why I said to, you know, one of the guys in the locker room app, I said, look, you know, Josh Allen may not be an elite quarterback right now, but we had serious questions coming into the year about whether he was even a good quarterback. Right. Was he shitty? Was he decent? Was he good? We didn't know. Right. And I think at this point, you can at least say he's a good quarterback. Now, he may not be an elite quarterback yet. We don't know that. But I think at this point, you can look at it and say, okay, he's good. Now, can he get to that next level of being an elite quarterback? I don't know. But at the very least, you can look at it and say, all right, he's a good quarterback and he can get you into the playoffs on a consistent basis, you know, and then, and then we'll see from there. But I've been extremely impressed with him and really the whole Bills team. Yeah. For me, biggest surprise, Miami, uh, 10 and seven, their last 17 since, you know, what they start 0 and 7, 0 and 8 last year. Yep. Uh, love Brian, Brian Flores, the culture. We talked about it earlier in the episode, what he's done there. Fantastic. I mean, just, just so awesome to see them. I, I know they're divisional rival, but Obviously, you have a lot of ties with Van Noy there, Landon Roberts, Ted Karras, now B-Flow. I mean, the list goes on and on. Right. Uh, what they've done in a very competitive division, if you were to tell me before the season, the Patriots would be 3-5, and five, Miami would be 5-3, and three, I would have bet my life savings on that, my, my parents' mortgage on it. Um, yeah. It just speaks wonders. Then two has stepped in, done a fantastic job. Uh, they play hard down there. They play hard for They really him. do. What he's done in a year and a half took that, you know, organization changed the entire culture. Like we talked about, mm-hmm. super impressive. So hats off to him and, and his staff. Yeah, I mean, that's really, they're way ahead of schedule. And and what's crazy about it is that they made the decision to go to Tua a few weeks ago during their bye week. And I'm like, what the hell are they doing? Like, they're playing well with, with Fitzy. Like, why are they doing that? And that was the right move. So he's made all the right moves to get them in this position and I've been so supremely impressed with the way that they've done it. And really, I mean, you have you got to you got to tip your cap to them because it's really been great to see. And like you said, division rivals. So of course, it's not that great to see. But it, you know, you got to you got to give them credit for sure. So all right, disappointment hit us, bags. Yeah, for me, and, and I don't want to stick on the teams. I would love to say Carson Wentz because he's just a disappointment. I can't stand that guy. <laughs> What a fraud he is, but Houston for me, Houston Texans. I mean, you get yeah. that much talent. I know it started in the off season with that dumb trade they made. And um, I, I feel real bad for Deshaun Watson because he's a special talent. They're wasting his prime years sure in are. the middle of a rebuild now. Uh, but that's a winnable division. I think the last four years has been three different winners with Tennessee, Houston, um, you know, teams down there. Who else is in that? Jesus, I'm drawing a blank. Indy. Indy, yeah. Indy won it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's a winnable division. It's the hardest division to pick each year. Um, but, yeah, for me, it's it's Houston. What a dumpster fire they are. And I thought they'd be a lot better even with the you know them trading DeAndre Hopkins. 
Yeah, no, it's a good point. And, and, uh, I'm going to go similar. I'm actually going to, I'm going to go whole damn division. I'm going the NFC East. I mean, what a freaking joke. What a freaking joke. And, you can't even, and even with Dak, that was a joke, right? Right. And that's it. I mean, so Dak gets hurt. So that obviously hamstrings the Cowboys. Saquon gets hurt. That hamstrings the, the Giants. Uh, you know, I guess Washington benches their quarterback, something. I don't know. Right. Kyle Allen now gets hurt. So now it's, now it's Alex Smith. Like, yeah, guys have gotten hurt and, and whatever, but like they're just a train wreck. And I mean, the best the best example I can give you is the fact that the Eagles took a tie, intentionally played for a tie so that they could have the tiebreaker at the end of the season because they didn't need to win any more games. And it, it's it's unbelievable to me. And it worked out for them so far. You know, not only I mean they're they're a game and a half in the lead of the division. They're they're three, four, and one, and Washington's two and six. And so it's like that entire, I mean, you just, you look at that team, right? And that entire division has nine wins. They have nine wins that entire division through nine weeks of the season. So it's just like, it's, it's by far the worst division in football. There's no, there's zero good teams on it. And like you said, Carson Wentz stinks, you know, like he's terrible. The Cowboys have fumbled away everything. Dak's going to be a free agent. He's hurt. You know, who the heck knows what they're going to have to do with him? Are they going to have to franchise him? That's a complete dumpster fire. The Giants, who look like they were turning around with Joe Judge, now Saquon gets hurt. Daniel Jones kind of looks like he stinks again. Like, who the heck knows what's going on there? Stoney Shepard can't stay healthy. Like, the whole the whole division. And Washington has no idea what the hell they're doing. You know, it's like Ron Verity needs to make up his mind. Like, I guess now he's decided that Haskins stinks and he isn't the future, which is fine. And I guess they're just tanking this year, basically. But like that whole division just stinks. And it's and what's crazy about the Giants. Giants are two and seven. Their last five games, five. Their last five games have all been decided by three points or less, which is crazy to me. And of same course, with, they, um, I think they're like two and three. But Justin Herbert too. You yeah. No, earlier. I mean that's just show up four losses. Everything's by or five losses. Everything's by a by less than a touchdown. That's just awful. And again, that's just that's the Chargers. That's what the Chargers do. But it's just like you know, uh, yeah, the Giants are are. But that's yeah, like I said, that division, the NFC East, man, they just they all stink, all of them. So, anyways, that's it, right? We don't have anything else. Do we have anything no, else? No, that's a good about? episode, long one for you guys this week. Uh, yeah, but a lot fun. of fun, um, especially with the way the season's going. I like mixing in some NFL talk as well. Yeah. So we'll see. Listen, Ravens this week. Um, Man, they scare the hell out of me. I, listen, if you can keep Lamar in the pocket and turn him into a pocket passer, that's how you win the game. That's how you win the game. If you can turn him into a pocket passer and stop those runs to the outside, that's how you win. The problem is... I don't think they have the speed to do it. No, they don't. And not only that, the Patriots, their biggest weakness so far this year has been the run to the outside. And now you're playing a team that runs almost exclusively to the outside. Like It's, it's a recipe for disaster. Which of course means they're going to keep it close and end up losing by like five. But you know, it's just it's one of those games where I look at it on the schedule and I'm like, oh no, this could get real. I could completely see them winning though, just the year it's been. But I agree, hundred percent. So we'll see. But anyways, guys, thanks for listening. We appreciate it, and uh, and we'll be back next week. I mean, maybe even maybe even breaking down a win. Who the heck knows?